try, try again with Catherine Velez. So I wasn't going to devote an episode to COVID precautions and trying to maintain our emotional sanity, but I changed my mind this week with this second wave and hearing from friends, family, clients, even a conversation this week with a Kaiser doctor, and I'm feeling the need to address it. When shelter-in-place mandates first started, I think I, like many, was okay and even enjoyed the anonymity at the grocery store with using a mask, sunglasses, and yesterday's sweats. I didn't have to wear makeup, didn't have to really worry about my hair. In the beginning, as an introvert, I enjoyed the built-in excuse for dodging certain social obligations. No sports on TV translated into more time with husband on neglected house projects. Learning new technologies and trying out different recipes was great, but the newness passed quickly, and we are still in the collective trauma of what has and is happening to our communities, our country, and our world. What I am witnessing, like many of you, that is either caused by or exacerbated by COVID is so much stress, sadness, loss, anger, uncertainty, and fear overwhelming some of us and creating a sense of feeling trapped or verging for some into feelings of hopelessness. I know the five stages of death you know, shock, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance are sometimes overused. But I feel like many of us spent the first months of this virus in shock and disbelief. We didn't realize this would be the new reality. And many of us were managing just well enough to get by until we could return to normal. Going back is rarely possible in life or even ultimately desired because once you have new knowledge and a new understanding, you can't go back. Then it seemed we moved to anger and it filled the streets and our media. I think we've been in the bargaining phase and trying to negotiate masks and openings or closings and what do we need to do to slow the second wave? What do we need to do to make sure everyone feels included? What do we need to do to return to school and work and try to save as many jobs and dreams as we can? Do we have any power in this situation at all? And where does it lie? And I have more recently felt that perhaps we are collectively moving toward depression because I am hearing not just more about feeling stuck and trapped and hopeless, but as a therapist, I'm hearing greater intensity expressed around those feelings. My hope is if we can find ways to support one another and give grace to one another and ask each other for help, maybe we can avoid or at least lessen that phase and move into a kind of acceptance of certain changes. I also had a conversation with a Kaiser doctor this week, and it was not confidential, so I thought I would share it. I want to make it clear that we've known this doctor for many years, my husband and I, and she's always been highly professional and was during this conversation as well. 
but it is symptomatic of the overwhelming stress in all areas of our society right now that she would end up talking about her stressors. We were discussing some medical issues and she began to share some of the stressors she's experiencing in her workplace. She and other healthcare workers are being asked to cut vacations and cut hours and work more with less. They're being told there are too many healthcare workers because with the loss of jobs, people are losing their healthcare benefits and going without insurance. This translates into a large part of the population that's more vulnerable. They don't have insurance. And as this doctor shared, they are being told to anticipate that by December, member numbers will decrease so dramatically that it could impact healthcare workers and their jobs as well. This trickle effect is another casualty and while it is not death or death of a loved one, the amount of stress that we are all facing as a community and as families is overwhelming. The 10 steps I'm recommending you consider are some things I found helpful and implemented and that I heard from clients and friends that make a difference. So number one, if you're working at home and you have your workspace in your bedroom, change that now, if at all possible. I've spoken with so many people who are only leaving their bedroom slash home office to get coffee in the morning, go to the bathroom and stumble out for dinner and then back into their cave. You may not be on an actual hamster wheel, but working from the rolling desk chair three feet from your bed is pretty close to it. It's Groundhog Day. Is there a possibility you could work outside or even in the living room? I think those of us in this new reality of telecommunication are much more accepting and perhaps appreciative of the, the non-office atmosphere, especially when you're on a phone call for three or four hours at a time. Try to get creative and get out of the bedroom. It may seem convenient or easier in some respects, but it comes at a great price. Number two, Put some structure in your day, even if it's just a little. If you don't have a morning routine, now is time to establish one. The investment in this structure will pay off in emotional and spiritual dividends. Start with a morning of getting up and having a coffee or tea with a loved one or get right to your exercise routine and fit it in, even if it's only 20 to 30 minutes of walking, outside if possible. Spend 15 to 30 minutes in meditation or prayer or reading something or listening to something that fills your soul, that teaches you something about yourself or others. Shower and put clean clothes on that you didn't wear the day before or worse, slept in. If you have an office space available that's COVID safe, use it. When the stay-in-place mandate occurred and I moved all my clients to telehealth, the first week I was, I was almost giddy to be able to stay home and wear leggings and house slippers. It, it only took a few days of that for me to realize how mentally and physically unhealthy it was, at least for me. I was lucky enough to have an office available only 10 minutes from my house, and so I did my morning routine and then went to the office to do the telehealth day. It separated work from home. And that is an important division. We've gotten very comfortable with and even encouraging of the idea of working out of the house. And there are benefits that come with being able to do that. Yet it is also an intrusion into what should be our sacred space, our personal lives. 
there's an energy transference that occurs in the work we do. I think if you can take some time and think about it, meditate and pray, you may come to the same conclusion I did, that I have to set a healthy boundary for myself around separation of home and work in whatever way is possible. Number three, drink, drink, drink lots of water and eat nutritious white food, especially if you're on a screen all day. Use a light therapy box or dawn simulators or natural uh, spectrum light bulbs. But also you can get those at some Home Depot stores or Bed Bath & Beyond online. It helps regulate the, the natural lighting in your environment and will help you feel better. Number four, do something you can to protect your eyes from too much screen time. You can Google how to protect your eyes from the screen, but some of the suggestions are to blink a lot and get a protector for your screen that reduces glare and provides some ambient lighting. Have the text you size, you, you know, the size that you need to prevent eye strain. And it's usually about three times the size you think you need. Set your computer more than arm's length away. Get up and move around every half hour to 45 minutes. Stretch. Number five, go outside at least once in the morning and once in the evening. See the outside world and experience what it has to offer. Look for one thing you didn't notice before, even if it's like a cloud shaped like a dragon or the way the light reflects off a morning flower or a bird's song. Anything, find newness in each step out of the door. It is the access to beauty and appreciation. Number six, decrease your news and limit it to half an hour or less every day. Stop listening to the fray and try to float above it. Just try it for a week and see how you feel. This step alone can make all the difference in the world in terms of mood, elevation, and how you look at the future. Just like you would set healthy boundaries and limit yourself from someone who was always negative, always complaining, always telling you something was wrong. Set those boundaries around what you allow in your mind. Being well-informed should not come at the cost of your mental well-being. Number seven, decrease your off-duty screen time. You may have to go to school or go to work and use screens, but try to reduce screen time in your off hours. Talk to a friend using only audio and preferably while walking or cleaning the house or some movement. Read an actual book without a screen. Listen to a podcast or music or an audiobook. Again, preferably while moving. Get outside and play games with your family or board games inside. Cook and talk face to face, meditate, pray. Look at relearning or learning for the first time how to use a rosary or prayer beads. Anything that doesn't require the screen. Number eight, try to reduce conversation around COVID and really work on not complaining about the little things. In fact, you could make a game out of it like the old swear jar. Anytime someone complains, they have to put a quarter in the jar. It's amazing how much we cultivate these habits like repeating daily how fatigued we feel or how miserable we are or regurgitating the bad news of the day. Embrace gratitude and even perhaps start a gratitude list that you look at it in the mornings and the evenings. Even during this time, there is much for which to be grateful. Find it and focus on it. Number nine, 
bring awareness to your use of alcohol, marijuana, and other substances you're consuming to deal with the anxiety or depression of isolation and COVID. These things work in the moment to numb feelings, but they can create so many other problems. Smoking pot or vaping, which weakens your lungs, is not going to help you recover if you get COVID or any illness, and it's not helping those exposed to your secondhand smoke. Alcohol is a depressant. These substances can mess with sleep and healthy eating and relationships. Using these substances can quickly become habit-forming and get out of control. If you even suspect you're moving from occasional use to misuse, abuse, or dependency, keep a log of how often you're consuming, how much, and when. Also, what feelings did you have right before you used, and how did you feel after? If you're my client, please bring that log into our session to talk about. Number 10, smile and be kind. There was a study in 2011 that showed people smiling even when they didn't feel like it elevated their mood and had an emotional benefit to the people smiling, not to mention those to whom the smile is directed. Be kind and make it a daily intention. We may all be a little more irritable than we have been. We may run across more irritable people from day to day. We definitely will run across people with whom we disagree. But for now, maybe we could shift our thinking and focus ever so slightly on something different. When something happens, think that that other person may have been someone who lost their job and doesn't know how they'll pay their rent. Their business of 20 years has been destroyed. Their grandparent died without family around. Their child missed graduation or a big wedding celebration or a job opportunity. Maybe that once-in-a-lifetime trip was canceled. Maybe they're nervous about whether school will start and will they have to homeschool their kids and will their kids get COVID if they send them to school? Can we treat one another with tenderness and gentleness and assume the best for now? I know there are days we don't want to smile. I know there are days we want to lie in bed or sit in a chair and binge watch TV. We all have them, especially right now. If you're feeling trapped and overwhelmed, call a loved one. Go outside and breathe. Listen to this podcast or others on self-care or call your therapist. This time gives us an incredible opportunity to practice compassion for ourselves and anyone else with whom we come in contact. With so many closings, maybe we can open up a space for tolerance and kindness and giving grace to ourselves and to everyone we see. We have so many opportunities right now to learn to give grace, and we can't do that until we do it for ourselves first. Maybe today we can't be where we want to be. Maybe some dreams have been destroyed or put on hold. And we can mourn those losses and at the same time hold space for the future. Use this season as a season for considering how we might choose to live differently. Rid ourselves of the things that no longer serve us. 
that which has been marked by so much fear and illness and death and disappointment and loss can also be a time of growth and grace and emotional generosity. Thank you for listening. And as always, you can reach me at my website, katherinekempvelez.com. I'd love to hear if any of these techniques work for you or something else you've tried that you would recommend. Have a week filled with gratitude and love.